Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. I know so many of you look forward to shows where we, you know, present to you as much information and education about ETFs as possible because ETFs are one of the fastest growing trends in investing right now, right? So here to give us a sense of the lay of the ETF landscape is Freddie Lim. He's chief investment officer and co-founder at digital wealth management platform Stashaway. Good morning, Freddie. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. Always good to speak with you. So today we're going to talk about many things. Are there ETFs that can help us prepare for a Biden presidency? Could Apple's new iPhone help boost 5G ETFs? But first, let's start with a cross-listing scheme for ETFs said to be bringing global investors closer to China. So China ETFs have started trading in Hong Kong and Shenzhen uh, for so-called feeder ETFs. What sort of opportunity do you think this presents for investors? Well, I think that's a super exciting uh, development and, it, it, and as we know, um, a lot of us would love to invest in China as the next Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. as an example. So, China tech ETFs, innovations ETFs, new economy ETFs. Like there's so many fancy stuff out there um, that let you stay invested in China's future. And you know, uh, the the China next five year plan is coming out, and that's attracting a lot of interest. And you can play that through ETF teams now. So Absolutely. If we look at this ETF Connect scheme, understand it dates back to 2016 uh, when regulators were thinking of broadening trading links between Chinese mainland and Hong Kong financial markets. So this started last Friday, right? This cross-linking. We saw the first batch of ETFs um, being launched between Hong Kong and the Chinese mainland. What does this cross-listing of this financial instrument really mean? Well, uh, it just means that this cross-linking means uh, what's already issued onshore, for example, in, in, in the Shenzhen market, uh, is now connected. So meaning uh, the Hong Kong markets could, could also access and trade the underlying. And this is a game changer in the sense that an ETF fund manager now can cross the border and, and also, you know, like build portfolios with Chinese onshore names. Right. So you, you can trade both sides of, of the, the, the two, two, two uh, borders and it makes it uh, just a lot more uh, liquid, a lot more. There's a lot of demand on both sides of, of, on all this. So it's just generally a, a better, more liquid, more uh, a deeper way of uh, trading these things. Mm, so from your vantage point, help us understand for the global investor, was it once seen as almost impossible to enter China's market? And do, do these cross links now provide for an opportunity to directly access China's market? Yeah, because you no longer are subject to the RFI rules, which limits like uh, per a per fund manager how much funds you can dedicate into the Chinese markets. You need to get pre-approval uh, in the past. But with the Connect, uh, what is on Shenzhen or what's on the other side, uh, the other exchanges, you can also now trade in the Hong Kong exchange. So that resulted in, say, very interesting ETFs being created recently. Yeah. Uh, as you, Yeah, like uh, the Hang Seng Technology ETF uh, has been created recently by iShares as a, as a result of this sort of uh, connectivity. Ooh, okay. Tell us more about that one, the Hang Seng ETF. Um, well, um, it's uh, basically, it allows you, uh, mm-hmm. quite exciting, but it allows you to track 
Um, 36.4% of the ETFs dedicated to tracking Chinese internet companies. Um, 11% of the ETFs allow you to track software companies in China. 10.4% uh, in semiconductors and 8.4% in telecoms. It's super exciting, isn't it? Really exciting. Do you think as an investor, if you take a step back, are global investors underweight on Chinese equities? Are these ETFs um, really helpful in that sense? Well, investors were, well, they're not underweight if you use the MSCI criteria because mm. in the first place, they did not include China to its full weight, right? China with its full might should have a uh, mightier uh, uh, share of the world markets, but no, uh, it's probably around 5% of the, the index in Asia. And uh, it could be more, right? So the Connect sort of uh, uh, it has nothing to do with underweight or overweight, but it allows investors to sort of deep dive further and say, I want to just own a particular segment of the Chinese economy. I am particularly interested in innovation stocks, and, I, and I'm, I'm shopping. I'm not just going to buy the, the overall China broad indices, which is relatively boring. Uh, now I can have a lot more choices. Mm-mm. And just coming back to the cross-listing scheme for Hong Kong and China, do you think that this scheme underlines how important Hong Kong is for China? And do you think Hong Kong is going to possibly uh, become Asia's leading ETF marketplace? Well, it's certainly an answer to the West because uh, ETF in Asia in general, very small, very small undertaking at the moment. Hmm. Um, yes. Um, but uh, just so you know, uh, Singapore is also stepping up. Uh, on SGX, we, I think we have now uh, going to have 30 ETFs on the SGX. Um, that's a small number versus the thousands of ETFs out there. Uh, and the Chinese uh, Hong Kong version of it is uh, actually uh, an, a very exciting one to add to Asia. Um, and China has always been attracting a lot of attention. Uh, despite the trade war, a lot of us look towards certain parts of China as very, very important for long-term portfolios. Okay. Are you seeing interest in thematic ETFs pick up? Yeah, thematics, uh, I can go on for two days, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thematics is interesting because uh, you can come up with a team, right, like um, age of population, but what do you put in it? You can put in healthcare services, you can put in biomedical advancements in there, you can put in vaccine makers. I mean, that there can be a lot of ways to curate the baskets and mm. the, under that team. So, mm. um the ETF war in Europe and U.S. has really stepped up on thematic investments. Um, in Asia, let's not get greedy. Well, we're very happy with what we are seeing as progressors right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get access to China. We, we're getting more and more, but it's going to take time. Okay. The reason I ask is because I want to talk about uh, a 5G ETF. A lot of investors um, say, you know, they're excited about 5G plays. How do they get in through this instrument of an ETF? And I understand Apple talking about their rollout. Uh, Some commentators say this rollout could benefit one exchange traded fund in particular, and that is the Defiance 5G Next Gen Connectivity ETF, ticker 5G. What do you think of this argument? I actually disagree. Um, <laughs> let Good. me step back. I, I just started disagreeing, and uh, then I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, the, um, I think this particular fund is the Defiance Next Gen Connectivity ETFs. 
um, it's supposed to invest in companies that has its products and services in the development of 5G networks and communication technologies. Um, but then there has a minimum market cap of $200 million. So what it means is that <clears throat> a new startup or disruptive company that's up and coming is not yet going to be included because there's a minimum market capitalization requirement mm-hmm. of $200 million. Um, but two, what concerns me most was this is a largely U.S.-centric play because other than being listed in the U.S., it's also, uh, in terms of geography allocations, this fund has a whooping 79.4% in the U.S. Mm. Well, I mean, how can we have that? We have a U.S.-China technology warfare right now. Mm. The whole world, for the first time ever in 5G communications, any communications, the worldwide mobile communications market is virtually going to be split into two. For example, the U.S. shut out Huawei, and now China is doing the same. It's shutting out Qualcomm. Uh, you're telling U.S. companies that you know the Chinese uh, companies are not going to use them. Right? The U.S. companies shutting uh, companies like Huawei out from getting the right parts to develop their technologies. We're virtually in the middle of a trade war that's becoming attack warfare. Um, to really invest uh, comprehensively, mm. we can't have just an investment in the U.S.-centric uh, ETFs. We also need to look at what's listed on Hong Kong and China. And they do have very interesting uh, versions for, for, for specifically for Chinese um, 5G, right? It's not just U.S. 5G. So I would sort of uh, disagree because I felt it needs to be more comprehensive in the midst of a trade war. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's really interesting. I understand Z-Lynx is in there as well. Um, but you're saying that the general overview, you're looking at the basket and what's in it. Yes, I look at what's in it. Z-Lynx is in there. Um, mm. I see the, I've seen the basket. It's got Apple, Qualcomm is a lot, right? Yep. And it's, it's more about, it's all relative. And when I look at the allocation, mm. by geography, is 794 I and see, so that means it's not enough China. China plus Hong Kong, about two percentage point. Okay, got that. Really not fascinating. Enough. Not oh. enough. Not enough. It, it's always fascinating to climb into an investor's mind and see how you assess things. Uh, you know, which is what you're here to do for us. Do, do, so there are some commentators who say, "Look, listen, this captures the entire ecosystem of the five G expansion." Are there other competitors, in your opinion, that do this better? Well, I think there are several other funds with similar angles, but. I do not believe that for what I just said about the the the, the split between uh, U.S. and China, mm. um, you you're not going to capture the entire ecosystem unless uh, you also have the Chinese names in there. Because, but mind you, the next China five-year plan is going to be very tech-focused. It's going to be more about independence, like not relying on uh, imports of semiconductors to build your chips, to build your technologies. They're going to do it themselves. Um, so you need to also keep that in mind and invest in specific Chinese ones. So I would say uh, there are several um, good uh, Chinese uh, ETFs as well. Right? So you have the Global X uh, is another ETF uh, provider, and it's listed the China Semiconductor ETF. So it's just one of the very good choices out there. Uh, Invesco has certain versions as well on uh, listed in, in, in Hong Kong itself. Mm-hmm. So I, I would urge investors to look more closely on what's listed in, in the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, um, not just what's listed in the U.S. 
Okay, so investors don't want to miss out on this 5G uh, train, right? Because people hear 5G as a theme and they think um, this is important. The 5G revolution is here right now. What what do they need to be considering when looking at 5G ETFs? Well, um, actually a lot. I can go on for two days again. Uh, you need to stop me soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean... Um, the, you got to be careful on which side of the coins you're in. So, for example, a lot of the 5G ETFs, mm. they have a big portion in telecom companies. Mm. But not all telecommunication companies are in the lead with 5G network building, right? Some are laggards, some are winning. So, the ETF may not be specific enough. However, for the semiconductor segment, the industry would benefit from the build-out globally of 5G networks. So the industry has been underperforming for years. Uh, now finally has a shot in the arm to, 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 to rebound because of the new innovations. So I would focus myself more on the semiconductors uh, area uh, if you want to play the 5G uh, wave. All right, let's turn to ETFs that could help investors prepare for a Biden win. People are looking at solar because uh, solar energy in particular, Biden's $2 trillion infrastructure plan will focus on promoting clean energy. So if you're looking at the ETF market, what are the areas and the considerations um, to look at? And first of all, do you agree that solar ETFs uh, are going to be soaring should Biden win? Well, before that, I'm not even sure um, we can completely trust the poll and and completely rule out a contested election. Mm. Mm. I think the election can have uh, uh, surprises itself. But you still think that, despite the lead in the polls? <clears throat> well, we had Brexit. We have uh, Trump winning Clinton. <laughs> so, and uh, we, can also, we also have him filling the Supreme Court with more nominees of his own. And if that's a, and he's already debating that, you know, people mailing ballots is, is subjecting the election to, to frauds. And so it, probably he could go the way of uh, contesting the election results. Um, you never know what happens with Trump. So uh, mm-hmm. we could be you know, in, in, in for a marathon. But to answer your question. Yeah. If the polls are accurate. And Biden is a strong favorite. Are there yes. ETFs? Uh, do you think solar ETFs are going to do well? No. <laughs> um. <laughs> You're in a contrarian mood today. <laughs> I think we should learn from Biden's track record himself. Okay. He was the vice president during the Obama administration, and they were behind the search in solar companies' prices to, to the moon. And then the whole industry was all resulted in the oversupply situation of panels and and the whole industry suffered. They spent ninety billion dollars building up uh, solar um, energies. Um, so I think Biden himself should learn his lessons, right, and try to broaden his approach to clean energy as a whole rather than solar. Right? There's wind, there's solar, there's also, um, you know, in fact, his plans actually say the same. Right? He's going to dedicate one point seven trillion dollars. Not all in cash, uh-huh. $490 billion in actual government spending cash. The rest of the $1.7 trillion is going to come from tax credits to companies that's in the area. <clears throat> and they're going to boost renewable energies, which is wind and solar. That's only part of it. But they're also going to, to, to try to uh, speed the introduction of uh, the use of electric uh, vehicles. Um, that may benefit some other companies, right? And I, I, which I don't want to name. But, mm-hmm. uh, or they can uh, dedicate more into R&Ds, 
research and development uh, budgets for large-scale battery storage. I mean, that's one thing that's overlooked. Carbon, ca- carbon capture and minimization technologies, right? Uh, how to modernize the national electric grid in the U.S. right now is such a dinosaur. So, that's, uh, so the telecommunication companies uh, themselves may have subsidies as well, right? So it's very comprehensive, and I think solar is a very concentrated play that, that, that's akin to looking at a tree in the forest. Mm-hmm. So I, I would go broader and just look at clean energy as a whole mm-hmm. rather than solar or any particular area. Diversification, you see. Sorry, so what was that last line? I missed that. Uh, diversification. Diversification. Yes. So in cro- investment across the board in um, yes. clean, energy clean energy infrastructure. That's right. Okay, got it. Got it. Well, thank you so much, Freddie, uh, for, for all your views this morning, contrarian or otherwise. We love speaking with you. Thank you. <laughs> Likewise. Thank you. He's Freddie Lim, Chief Investment Officer and Co-Founder of Digital Wealth Management Platform, Stashaway. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.